Thank you for tuning in to Church on the Rock podcast. We have a great sermon in store for you. We hope this message challenges you, builds you, and motivates you into taking the next step in your purpose with God. Enjoy the sermon. Well, praise God. We, uh, I actually just came back from Indiana myself. A lot of you all were there too. Um, and um, for Pastor Diana's funeral, um, I saw my uh, father, he got the notification uh, like a day prior that he was going to do the uh, the eulogy uh, and give give some words. And for a person who's heard, uh, I heard, I've heard my dad preach for the, you know every week for the last twenty years, you know, my, of my life. And, and I, I don't say that much, but he he brought fire yesterday. Amen. If you were there, he brought fire. I don't say that much. <laughs> he brought. I'll be real. He brought fire yesterday. It was fire. And you can tell when something comes over him, and he brought it yesterday. He brought it. Um, uh, you know, doctor, I think Dr. Jacobs was going to do the eulogy beforehand, but then last second made uh, my father do it. And because, you know, sometimes you need, to, you need to be preached to. No matter how seasoned you are, how experienced you are, you, got, you need to hear the preached word of God to you. Amen. And, um, and so they gave me the task of coming and preaching today. So I was like, hey, y'all gonna do that? Y'all gonna stay back and just be like, all right, you go, you go, you go and preach. But, you know, I'm, I'm gonna count as a blessing. I'm gonna preach on Pastor Diana this morning, amen? <laughs> because she, she left uh, a legacy of faith. And um, I wanted to preach along that subject matter of leaving a legacy of faith this morning. Um, Pastor Diana was, there were so many people, young people, um, there were young people there yesterday that I hadn't seen in years but because she was able to throw a camp for young people, amen, she was able to touch so many lives. And there was you know, kids from the inner city that you would have never thought that she would have had a relationship with that, that, that came yesterday because they wanted to, um, you know, celebrate her life. And just the young people and, and you know, so many preachers that were touched by her life. And so many, um, you know, myself, I know my family, we were all touched and encouraged by her life. And my last time actually talking to her was when I preached down there this spring. It was a Sunday morning. And she, um, I didn't expect her to come because I knew what she was going through. And sure enough, I'm, I'm looking over my, my scriptures in the office, in the Pastor Jordan's office. And sure enough, here she comes walking through. You know, she was going through the chemo. So she had a scarf on her head. She had this machine and I was like, you done missed a lot of seasoned preachers preach, you know, because of what you're going through. Like, she came, you came here to hear me preach, you know. And um, I didn't understand it until we went out to eat afterwards. And we got to hang out and talk because the whole time she had to sit by in a corner. She couldn't sit on the front. She had to sit in the corner because she had to plug her machine up. So in case, you know, something went off, she could, you know, get out of the, ex- at the exit door. So we went out to eat, and she, and she made a comment. And it was, it was the comment that stuck with me, you know, while sitting and eating, eating dinner with her, she said, she said, uh, she, she said, it was so amazing to hear you preach. And I, you know, in my mind, I'm like, why, you know? And she, and she, she goes on to explain, she said, because we poured into your parents and pastored your parents, and now we get to see their children come up and, and preach and minister at, at, you know, at our camps and on a Sunday morning. She said, and it's kind of like it's all coming full circle. She said, and we, and it's like, like, basically saying we did something right. 
She said, we get to see our seed that we planted and see it flourish. She said, and she made the, she made the statement, full circle. And that's what I want to preach on today is living a life that's full circle. Amen. Um, there's a scripture. You can write it down. I'm not going to turn there, but it's a scripture. Psalms 112, verses 6 in the NIV. It says, surely the righteous will never be shaken. They will be remembered forever. It's part of your DNA as a child of God to leave a legacy. It's part of, it's part of your DNA to be remembered forever. If you're going to really live this life, you, ha you have to live a legacy. What is a legacy? Legacy is living beyond the grave. Everybody gets a tombstone. Not everybody gets a legacy. Legacy is living beyond the grave. And you only get a legacy when you impart and impact and pour into people. When your investments are into people. When you leave value into people. Amen. I like what Miles Monroe said. He compared legacy. He said it's like running a marathon. A marathon, that's a relay race. He said, everybody, if you're really living life, you have a baton in your hand. And you're running. You're running a marathon. He said, at some point in time, this is how you learn whether or not you're successful. When you can hand off the baton and somebody can run just as hard and further than you ran. Is anybody able, when, when you, it's all said and done, is there anybody that you can hand off the baton to? And they can say, because of her, because of him, I'm motivated to run further and harder than they ran. That's called legacy, amen? And it's in our DNA, as children of God, to leave legacies and be remembered past the grave. The grave shouldn't be the end of it. If you, if, if, you didn't, if you didn't pour into anybody, if you didn't encourage anybody, if you didn't build anybody, and you were here, as long as God's going to let you live on this planet, if you didn't encourage anybody, then it was all for nothing. You was here just taking a breath and taking up space. Who, do, who are we able to encourage and build in life? The scripture says it, it gives you the order to encourage and to build. To leave a legacy, to live life full circle, you got to be able to encourage and to build people. Amen? Encourage and build. Amen? Turn with me to Luke 4, verses 1. Because Jesus himself is, is the person I want to preach on today because he's the author and finisher of legacies. What's, what's interesting about Jesus' life is, is the Gospels are in, in the New Testament is so, is so, is so complex that you forget that Jesus really came for a simple purpose. Really simple. He came to pour into a few men and then fulfill his purpose on the cross and go home. That's, he, his, his job was to pour into a few men. The 5,000, that, that was cute for y'all, but that was for his disciples. The miracles was cute for us, but that was for his disciples. I want to show you how to do this. Walking on water, this is for my disciples. He wanted to pour into a few men. And on John 16 and verse 17, Jesus is getting ready to go, go home. And, and, he, and he's, he's preparing his disciples for his departure. And he says something that, that I thought was amazing. Because this is the same one. This is the same one who calmed the storm. Amen. This is the same one who, when they were afraid, comforted them. This is the same one. He said, it's good for me that I leave. Meaning the best thing I'm going to do for you while I'm here is leave. It's, good for, it's, it's for your benefit that I leave. Not stay. It's for your benefit that I leave. And his reason and purpose for, for leaving, when he, when he looked at the heaven in John chapter 17 and said, the hour has come. He was, saying, he was telling God, I've prepared the ones you, put, you gave me. I've protected them. I've poured into them. I've prayed for them. And they are ready. That was his total reason for leaving. 
is that I was able to pour into them and they are ready to take over and run with this thing. Are you in Luke 4 verses 1? Because I want to talk about purpose because to leave a legacy and to live life full circle, you must first understand your purpose. If you don't have a purpose, then who's going to be attracted to somebody without a purpose? Amen? You got to have a purpose. And, part, and the first part of, about having a purpose is being able to manage. Because when, whenever God launches someone into their destiny or their purpose and promotes them, if you notice in the Bible, they're always faithful over what they're managing. When God created Adam and Eve, the whole purpose was he needed someone to manage the earth. And so he created Adam, amen? And a lot of times we, we see the scripture where he says it's not good for man to be alone. We think about it as it's marriage and, you know, it's not good to be lonely, but it's more than that. He said, he looked at Adam and looked at Adam's purpose, and he said it's not good for him to be alone, so he made Eve. He made Eve to help Adam achieve his purpose. And he gave Adam a work, Eve was helped to help finish. Adam a work, Eve is to help finish, amen? I'm not preaching about marriage, but that's a, that's, that's a good point, that if you're going to look for a husband, find somebody with a work. If you're going to look for a wife, find somebody that's going to help you finish, amen? And... Managing. Remember that word, managing, because whenever God wants to promote somebody, he looks for someone that is a good manager. He looked at Elisha in the field, amen. He looked at David managing the sheep, amen. Before he was a king, he was just managing sheep, amen. He looked at Peter on the boat, just managing a fishing, a fishing business. He looked at Jesus, who was a carpenter, just managing his father's business and just going to church and, and being faithful. And so in biblical terms, basically, if you can be faithful over a little thing, amen, a few things, if you can be faithful over little things, he says, I can raise you up and make you ruler over many. How can I make you a ruler when you can't even be faithful over a little thing? A little thing. God looks for managers. When he wants to launch you and promote you into your destiny, are you being faithful with what seems insignificant right now? What seems insignificant right now, amen? But that little thing that's insignificant, amen, that little two loaves of bread, amen, that little cruise of oil is what's going to be able to be, bring you into the overflow. What seems insignificant right now is the overflow at the next level, amen? I'm going to read chapter 4 and verse 1. And it says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Jesus is being led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days and 40 nights he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing for those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. The, I'm sorry. The devil said to him, if you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man should not live by bread alone. The devil led him into the high place and showed him an instant of all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you the authority and splendor. It has been given to me, and I will give it to anyone. If you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered him, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the high point of the temple. And he said, if you are son of the God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift up their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone, it says, Jesus said. It is said, do not put the Lord your God to, to test. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him unto an opportune time. 
Jesus, Jesus returned to Galilee full of the Spirit. And news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching their synagogue, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as it was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. On rolling it, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim the freedom for the prisoners, and recover of sight for the blind, so that they are pressed free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began to say, today, the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Other than being a good manager, you also got to have a, a sense of your identity. Amen? The Bible says the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to get tempted by the devil. If, if some of y'all would receive that word today, y'all would be like, I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. <laughs> the Holy Spirit is going to lead me to the devil to be tempted. But sometimes it's the things that, over, that you overcome in life where you can be, begin to know who you are. Amen. And so he, so he goes into the wilderness. And I love this because here's the, here's the thing about temptations. When you're getting tempted, it's something that's going to tempt you. You can't tempt me with broccoli. You, like, you can't. Like, you can't. If you're eating broccoli, I'm like, oh, that's cute. You know, that's nice. But if you've got some macaroni and cheese that's, that's, that's cheesy, like, you know, when you, when you pull the fork up and the cheese is still coming down, and the fried chicken was just, just seasoned perfectly, some greens, some sweet potatoes. If you, if you had a plate on the front row and you were eating it right now, my first question is, where did you get that from? It's back there? I'll be right back. That's going to tempt me. It's obviously a battle that's going on. Because here's the thing. Jesus hasn't done one miracle. All he has is a word over his life. He hasn't done one miracle. He knows he's the son of God, but there's a battle in his head right now. It says, am I really the son of God? The devil's coming to ask him, are you really the son of God? He, he's asking him questions concerning his identity. Are you really who you think you are? Are you really, who you, are you really a king? Here's a king. Are you really a king? Throw yourself down. You're really a miracle worker. Let's say you do a miracle. And he's being tempted to his identity. And after coming out of it, he comes out with boldness. Amen. He says he comes out full of the, of the spirit. Amen. Tell your neighbor, be bold about who you are. He comes out full of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And, and sitting in service in the synagogue, gets a scroll opens a scroll, and it's just, the, it's just the word he needed that Sunday morning. It's just the word he needed, amen? He looks at it and says, today it is fulfilled. Today I'm running as hard as I can run, amen? I know who I am. The greatest day in your life is when you figure out who you are and why you are here. That was the greatest day of Jesus' life. The day he realized why he was here, amen? And I love how you can, you can read more how even after he figured out who he, who he was, People still didn't believe him. They said, oh, that's just Joseph's son. That's just, that's just Joseph's boy. And he, Jesus said, even a prophet is not welcome in his hometown. And meaning that just because you know who you are don't mean your family and the close friends are going to know who you are. So don't be discouraged when you walk around and people who are the closest to you don't believe what you believe about yourself. They're not supposed to. When he says, I'm going to do a new thing, he said, it means I'm going to send you to a new people. Amen. There's going to be a new people. Amen. A new people who are waiting for you that God wants to use for you to build a legacy. Amen? Amen. 
don't be, don't be discouraged when people who are the closest to you do not believe in you. They're not supposed to. You're supposed to be Joseph's boy, amen? You're supposed to be that to them, amen? He says, he says, he says, uh, a prophet is not welcome in his hometown. That, 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 that got me a, a little bit because, like I said, you, you can get discouraged so easily. Tell it, because the people around you, so many times we look at them, we look at people to, to help us build our stature. And that, that was the importance in Jesus understanding his identity, was understanding I know who I am, so even if they don't believe in me, I already know who I am. Because when you know who you are, nobody can tell you who you're not. Amen? And so turn with me to Matthew verse 16 and 18. Because the number one key to building a legacy is first understanding your purpose. And to understand your purpose, you must first be able to manage what God has already placed you in front of. Amen? Be able to manage that first. And then number two, you must also be able to know who you are and know where God is sending you. Pastor Donnie used to use, use this term a lot when I was at youth camp. She used to say, for, t- for such a time as this. It was, it was speaking back to Esther when she was uh, going before the king. And we all have moments of purpose in life where, where God, God has placed you specifically in this generation to make some moves. Amen. You are specifically designed to come in this generation to make moves. He, has, he, he specifically puts you here, right here during this time. And, it, and it's no different than Moses hearing hearing from God, go back, to, go back and let my people go, amen? Go tell Pharaoh to let my people go. It's no different than Esther saying, I got to go before the king, amen? You are here for people in such a time as this, amen? So understanding how to manage identity and understanding the people that God has sent me here for. And Matthew 16, verses 18, because remember, the, the scripture gives us the order to, in, in 1 Thessalonians 5, 11, it says, I want you to encourage and build each other. That, that's an order I give to you, to encourage and to build. So I want you to watch how Jesus encouraged and builds people because I want to use Peter specifically as as an example today because Peter is just like every single one of us. He's he's a misfit. Peter's a misfit. That's why we fall in love with Peter so much because he's a misfit. I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like a misfit. See, I was the only boy in the family. I was the only boy. I had three sisters. I grew up in the basement. You know, they wouldn't even cook me dinner. They just put the meals (laughs) at the top of the steps and said, said, come eat. (laughs) You know, so I I just sat in the basement like a dungeon, you know, Played video games, and, you know, I came out all right, don't, don't y'all think? So, Peter's a misfit. Peter's, Peter's the, the guy that goes to the art museum and drops expensive art, you know, and you just shake your head, you know. So, you know, he, he's the guy that goes to the expensive restaurant and asks, well, you know, why, why y'all ain't got no fries, you know. He's like, Peter, just chill. Just, just quit talking and you'll be okay, Peter, you know. But, but here's a scripture I want to read to you. It says, uh, Matthew 16 and 18, it says, When Jesus came into the, re- to the region of, of um, Caesarea Philippi, I can read y'all, and uh, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I am? So they said, Some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah. Others say you're Jeremiah, one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ the son of the living God. Jesus answered him and said unto him, Blessed are you, Simon, for, fle- for flesh and blood has not revealed that to you, but my Father in heaven has. And I will also have you know, Peter, that you are a rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth should be loosed in heaven. 
This is, this is the misfit Peter that we're talking about right now. P- Peter's, like I said, he, he's, a, he's the shaking my head emoji. Some of you, some of, some of you, only iPhone users know what that means. Some of y'all don't, with them weird phones, you know, y'all don't know what that means. I'm one of those people, I, I'm, like, I'm like the real iPhone guy. Like, if you text me with that green stuff, I'm like, ugh, you know. I don't want to see that green stuff if you text, you know, you leave me a voicemail, you know. I don't know, I don't know if my text is delivered or not, but anyway... Peter, is a, he's a misfit, he, 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 but he tries so hard to fit in. He's the, he's the most unqualified of all the disciples, but yet Jesus focuses on, on him more than all of them. But he wants to, he wants to fit in so bad. So when they, when they go to the mountain of transfiguration, he's the one that wakes up in the middle of sleep and says, let me build a tabernacle. And they're like, Peter, not the time, bro. Like, read the room. Like, no, no, don't build a tabernacle. You're a fisherman, not a builder. You know, on the boat, here comes Jesus walking on water. Peter's, you know, let, let me walk too, you know. And they're like, Peter, no, don't get out of the boat. He's walking. He might give us some revelation, and you over here falling and drowning in water. Don't, don't hop in, Peter. But here we are, another moment. Jesus is asking them, who do men say that I am? And here's Peter just raising his hand. They're like, Peter, 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 don't put your hand down, Peter. And Peter's like, you know, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, Peter... For the first time, Simon, he calls him Peter. He says, you are a rock, amen. And upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. So the one who was a misfit, the one who was unwavering is now, he's saying, you are a rock. This this, this is Jesus being an encourager right now. He's telling Peter, you are a rock. I don't care what the others say you are. The The others don't believe you're a rock, but I'm telling you, Peter, you are a rock, Peter. You are a cornerstone, a foundation. Yes, upon this misfit of a rock, I'm going to build my entire church, amen? And the gates of hell won't prevail against it. Encouragement. That was an encouragement because Peter would make so many more mistakes down the line. So many more mistakes. Right after he gets done encouraging Peter, he calls Peter Satan. Because Peter gets a high horse. He's like, you know, I'm a rock now. You know, I'm a rock. So Jesus starts telling about the future. He's like, no, Jesus, you're good with us, man. I, you know, I'm a rock. And then Jesus is like, no, get behind me, Satan. You are the devil is a liar. This is my destiny. So along the line, Peter keeps making mistakes. But down the road, he keeps getting to figure out, I am a rock, you know. He, he, he gets to say to himself over and over, I am a rock. So even after a mistake, I am a rock. Encouragement. It lets people know why they do what they do. If you're going to be a, be a person of legacy and live life full circle, you must be an encourager. An encourager. I remember uh, when I first started preaching, it was like 2017, and, and a lot of times I would preach in Madison when, you know, stuff was going on down, down here in Brentwood. And um, it was weird at first, you know, um, because, like, you know, he, he, my dad wouldn't show up and, and I don't care what church you go to. Like, I don't care how mega church or how small it is. Like, when Bishop ain't here, Bishop ain't here. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so I was like, you know, Dad, the only time he ever gave me encouragement, I was telling him, I said, I, said, uh, I was like, is it better just to play a tape, you know, when you ain't here? You know? And I was like, because like, people actually come in and look at your chair and be like, oh, Dr. Rogan ain't here? Caleb here? You know? And so I said, we could just play a tape, you know? It'd be better off, you know? You know, I'm a different preacher. I preach two hours shorter than you do. It's, it's, it's not, you know, I'm just different, you know. And he said, no, he said, just preach what God put on your heart every, every time you preach. He said, 
there's somebody there that needs it. Amen. And, and, and there was, I remember I preached, I mean, I, I stayed up all night one night. I was studying. Like, you know, sometimes you start getting revelation and you start like running around the house. And it was, it was one of those nights, you know. And so I was like, I cannot wait to preach, you know. So all six people came that Sunday. And, and uh, but one of them, uh, she's no longer here. Her, her name was uh, Sarah Gaines. And this was about two years before she had passed. And um, after church had finished, you know, you, you get the, you always get the, you know, hey, good job, Caleb, you know, good, good message, Frank. You know, I'm like, thank you, thank you, thank you, you know, you know, that, you know, thank you, you know. And she, she, I'm walking past her, and she says, good message today, Caleb. And I was like, no, thank you. But she, this time, she, but she grabbed my hand because she wanted to talk. And, and she said, I prayed last night, and the stuff I was praying, you were talking today. And she said, you don't know how much I needed that. So you don't know how much I needed to hear that today. She said, and then she started preaching my, my sermon to me, preaching to me, you know. And, and that's how you know when you really preach, when somebody starts preaching back to you what you just preached. And I'm like, oh, I needed to hear that. I, I needed to hear that. And I said, that's why I stayed up last night to 1 o'clock in the morning. That's why I stayed up last night. That's why I stayed up reading and praying last night. That's why I stayed up last night. And so many times, you need to know why you are doing what you are doing, and, and it takes encouragement. Every single person in here is an encourager. You were, you were called to be an encourager. It, it takes a simple word, a simple exhortation to come in here and encourage somebody. Amen. Sometimes people need to know why they are doing what they are doing. Amen. There are people who come and set up every Sunday at this church and, and close down. Stay, come early. Stay late. It takes a simple thank you. Thank you, for, thank you for being a rock. It takes the sound team. Thank you for coming in early and getting the sound together. Thank you for being a rock. Thank you, praise and worship team, for coming in here playing. Singing to a track, amen, every Sunday. Thank you, for, thank you for being a rock. Thank you for being a rock, amen. Isaiah sitting over there. Grandfather just passed. People can't, didn't come because it, 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 it rained today. But he's sitting over there at post. Thank you for being a rock, amen. It takes simple encouragement because when you encourage somebody, it, it lets them know why they do what they do. And every single now and then, you, you need to be sitting like Peter, being the misfit and hearing God say you are a rock. Let you know you're doing something right. You're doing, somebody sees you, amen. Tell your neighbor, I see you. Some, you need to know every now and then I'm being seen, amen. Thank you for being a rock. It's so easy to encourage somebody. You were called to do it. It comes out of you easy. It comes out so easy. And so Peter gets this big head now because, he, because he's the rock. And, and, and he gets corrected more after he gets called the rock than before the rock. And, and so and I'm talking about every time Jesus gives a prophecy about the end of his life, Peter denies, like, no, nah, Jesus, we got your back, Jesus. I, I, the rock's with you. You know, <laughs> you, you, we got your back, Jesus. And Jesus looks at Peter one day and says, Peter, the enemy is coming to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you, and when you are strong, go strengthen the brother. He says, Peter, the enemy is coming. If you're going to be a person that lives life full circle and of legacy, you must be a person of prayer. And you must be able to pray for people, amen? The people that you're pouring into, the people that, you, that you're imparting to, be able to pray for those people. Be able to pray for them. He says, Peter, I am praying not for the circumstance, not that the devil does not come, 
but I am praying for your faith. I'm not even praying for you, Peter. I'm praying for your faith, that it does not fail you. Not that you don't, but your faith does not fail you. Amen? Tell your neighbor, say, pray for my faith, not my circumstance. That gets, because it is so normal to pray for somebody's circumstance. Pray for my faith, amen. Pray for my faith. Pray that in my darkest hour, I can still say that God is a champion. He's my champion. Pray, amen, that when I can't even see victory and defeat is all around me, I can still smell some victory around me, amen. Pray for my faith, not my circumstance. The cir- your circumstance is going to move based off that faith, amen. Pray for my faith, not my circumstance. And if you're going to be a person, the greatest prayer you can ever pray for somebody is praying for their faith. Praying that their faith does not fail them in the time of need. Amen? That faith is more precious than rubies and gold. So Peter, he's like, Jesus, you know, I'm I'm good. You know, I'm good. I'm good. I I don't need, I don't, you know, I, 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 I received the prayer, but I'm good. Because Peter's, you know, like I said, he, he's, he's the rock now. And, and, but, but Jesus is prophesying to him. He's saying, hey, there's going to be some rough times ahead. Like, this, this water turning into wine is cool, but it ain't always going to be like this, Peter. Like, you know, this, you know, feeding 5,000 is fun, but it ain't always, there's going to be some rough times ahead, Peter. It's going to be uncomfortable to be my follower. And he says, and he says Jesus, I love you. I will never leave you. He was always telling, the, the, the disciples were always competing about who was the greatest, who loved Jesus the most. And Peter was right in there with him. I love him the most. I love him the most. You know, I'll cut somebody's ear off for Jesus. You know what I mean? Like, I, I love him the most. But what happens to Jesus, though, and Jesus gave them every warning ahead of time. Jesus gets caught. The miracle worker gets caught, amen. The miracle worker, is, he's no more. You see the miracle worker gets snatched up and beat and drugged, Amen. The one that turned water into wine, but he's out of miracles now. That's what, that's what Peter gets to see. And see, and the reason I get so, I'm so cool with Peter is because I understand Peter's human side. See, during this time, it's not cool to be a Jesus follower. It reaches a point in time where, like, the miracles get old, like, you know, and it's not cool to be a Jesus follower anymore. Imagine living in uh, Afghanistan right now with a, with a U.S. flag on your shirt. Like, it, it ain't a good time to be waving a flag in Afghanistan right now. You know, it ain't, it, ain't, it ain't a good time. People are getting their heads chopped off for just working with America. And Peter is living in that environment where if you even know Jesus or supported Jesus, like, it's, it's over. It's over with. So Peter denies Jesus when they come and ask him. And the Bible says, basically, the worst thing you can ever do is deny Jesus. Amen. It says, if you deny me in front of men, amen, I will deny you in front of my father. So the same thing that we, that we preach about atheists and people who have who've denied the faith, that's what Peter did. He did the, almost the worst sin ever. Three times. Not once, three times. They, they pointed him out and said, that's Jesus' boy right there. I seen him on his Instagram last. That's Jesus' boy. And Peter's like, no, not me. Not me. Not me. And the Bible says that Peter even cursed he probably, talk, he probably said something about somebody's mama, you know, in a four-letter word. And whatever he said, they believed that he was not a follower of Jesus after that. He said, no, nobody, nobody with Jesus is going to cuss like that. <laughs> he denied him three times. And, of course, we all know the story, the rooster crows. And so, and that right there is what broke Peter. When he realized 
that everything Jesus was warning him about was true. Yeah, you said you love him. You love Jesus more than these, amen? You don't. And everything that Jesus said about Peter and warned him about was true. And here's the thing, and the worst time to fail in life, because the disciples, they had this competing culture. And the worst time to fail is when everything your critic said about you was true. And you, got, and you have to fail, eat crow, and realize everything they said about me was true. Jesus told me I was a fisher, a fisher of men, and I was a rock. I'm not a fisher of men. I'm a fisherman. I'm not, I ain't no rock. I'm Simon. I'm not Peter. I'm Simon. Peter literally quits the ministry. He quits the ministry. He quits where Jesus had placed him, all because this situation right here broke him. But I want to show you how to build people, amen, because part of being a person of legacy and living life full circle, you have to build people. And not just encourage them, you have to build them. Go to uh, Mark 16, verse 4. Because Jesus has died now. Peter is no longer a fisher of men. He's no, he's no longer a disciple. He's, he, he's quit, amen? He started the LLC back up for the fishing business. He's back on the boat. The same place Jesus grabbed him from, he's back. Mark 16, verse 4. And this, I mean, I can only imagine what Peter could have felt when he heard these words. But when they looked up, they saw the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him? But go tell his disciples and Peter. Everybody say, and Peter. and Peter. He is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, just as he has told you. When, God come, when Jesus comes back, simply for you, specifically for you, when you have no reason for him to come back for you for, you've betrayed him and denied him in the worst way. The worst thing you can do is betray somebody. I learned that real quick. I lost a friend like that. I was, I was about eight years old. Um, everybody, everybody's neighborhood got, these, these, got a hood dog somewhere. This dog's name is Bootsy. But, you know, and everybody has like a, everybody has like a, you know, you know, you know that friend that always say, you know, um, he don't bite, but you can look at the dog and be like, Bootsy bites, bro. Like, I, I'm looking at Bootsy. Like, when I rung the doorbell, he jumped and hit the screen door like, he didn't know the screen door was there. Bootsy bites. So my friend and Cam, my friend Cameron, we were both afraid of Bootsy, and and somebody chained Bootsy up that day because we we was playing on our bikes, and Bootsy came running full steam. Now I lived down the street closer than Cameron lived, so when I ran, I ran to my house. I'm thinking Cameron ran, he gonna run to his house, you know, but Cameron's trying to come to my house in my house, and I got a split second, you know, decision to make. I'm like, if I open this door, like. Cameron and Boosie are going to come in here. So I just shut the blinds, and I just said, I can't watch. <laughs> I can't watch. But he survived the attack because I saw him the next day. And when you, when you portray somebody and you see them the next day, it is the worst feeling ever. And that's how I imagine ten times worse that Peter felt. He's back on the boat, the same place he left, and and. Jesus comes back and he, he says, you know, where's Peter at? And they say, you know, Peter, Peter uh, you know, he got the LLC started back up. You know, he, uh, 
He's doing his own thing now. You know, he, uh, he'll be on the boat. And Jesus gets off the boat. I mean, I mean, I mean Jesus comes on the shore, amen? You know the story. Comes on the shore and looks up and says, hey, y'all, come eat some breakfast. And bring all your fish, bring, you know, bring all your fish, amen? And Peter already knows who it is. And Peter, you know, as humble as he is that Jesus came back, the Bible says he jumps out and starts swimming towards the shore, amen? You know, there's people debate about, you know, what race Jesus was, but I know Peter was Caucasian because black people ain't jumping out of no boat <laughs> to swim to no shore. <laughs> like, you know, we might mess up some, some edges and some wigs, you know, we, we might mess something up. You know, if, there was a, if Peter was black, he would have been like, here I come, Jesus, you know, you know. <laughs> So we're going to ride this boat to the shore. So, um, so Peter finally gets to this shore, and this is where he gets built up. And, and, and Jesus is, is started the fire, and he's getting the fish. You know, you, you, ever, you ever messed up in life, and it's probably your mom, dad, grandma, granddad, wife, husband, they cooking the breakfast. This is Jesus sitting there over the fire cooking the breakfast. You hear that bacon sizzling, and you know you, don't, you, know, you, you know you don't deserve to eat all this food. You hear the grits going, the eggs going. You know you don't deserve, that's Jesus sitting here just, just put, seasoning up this fish, seasoning the fish and getting it together. And Peter's just sitting there like a puppy dog with his face. You know, I don't belong here. I messed up, you know. And Jesus says, Peter, do you love me more than these? It's a, it's a rhetorical question, and, and, and Peter knows it is. He's like, yeah, Jesus, I love you. Just like I used to say that, you know. You know I, but, but what happened, what, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? He says, well, then why are we here? The same place I came and took you from, the boat, why are we back here again, Peter? I called you a fisher of men, not a fisherman. I said you were a fisher of men. I said you were a rock. Why are we here? And Peter, Peter, he says, Peter, go feed my sheep. Puts him back into the ministry. And that's what it's going to take, amen, building people up. Who, who, who were you able to build? Who, who can look at you and say thank you because thank you for seeing the best in me when everyone else saw the worst in me? Who's going to be able to say that about you? Thank you when, when my sin was so great and people were ashamed to have known me, you stood by me and you fought for me. Who's going to be able to say that about you? Because everybody, everybody I don't care how high you get, you're going to feel like quitting one day. You may not quit, but you felt it. You feel like quitting. Even Jesus, even Jesus said, if there's another way, let this cup pass me by. I don't care who you are, at some point in time, you're going to feel that urge. I remember my father, he was, I'm talking about this, this right, like right now, like, like the way we, we have church, like everything is cool. Back in the day, 10, 12 years ago, like, I'm like, dude, why are you doing this? You know, because I'm like, like he, he gives some hints about how bad it was, but it was really bad. Like he, like, like he, you know, everybody around him was like, you need to, you need to, you need to, you know, this, you know, maybe come back to this, you know, <laughs> maybe this ain't the season, right? This ain't the season right now. I mean, there were some moments, I remember one time he had paid all the church bills out of his pocket, basically. And I was in college and he said, Caleb, I need your refund check to pay the mortgage from college. He said, because I paid everything for the church and I don't... I, I got to pay my mortgage this month. Like that, that, that's how bad it was. And, and I'm, I, so even me, I'm like, man, this is maybe we, sh- we shouldn't have <laughs> we shouldn't have left your job. Like, 
like everything, when you were a kid, like you really get to feel it. Like, you know, everything was cool until we did this, you know? And, and I remember, you know, it would, take, it would take him so much to try to travel with Dr. Jacobs because he just didn't have the money. Everything, and, and I remember he, he would get in, hop in that, that red van. It was a raggedy red van. And he, he would drive down to Indiana just to be at a meeting. But, you know, and maybe it was Texas, maybe it was California. It, was, it could be anywhere in the United States, but he would get in that van and go to whatever meeting. And, and when you go to these meetings, typically <laughs> people who are, doing the, doing, who are showing the most potential get the, get the ministry, amen, get the, get, the, get the words of encouragement, get the words, amen. <laughs> Come up for a prophecy real quick, man of God, you know. But he wasn't doing that well. But I remember Pastor Diana would always, it don't matter what was going on, she would all, at the service, Dr. Jacobs would say, honey, you have anything else? And she would come up and grab the mic. I want to minister to Pastor Keith and Cynthia. And she would say, Michael, come over here and minister to them. And knowing that, when it, when, when at his lowest, amen, that, those are the times where you are able to build people. And he, he brought that up yesterday at the, at, at the funeral because that was one of the things that stuck out to him. When I felt like quitting, you were on my side. When I felt like quitting, you fought for me. And that's going to be the deciding factor of how we encourage and build people. Who are we able, who, do, who are you able to build in life? Who was able, when you, when you, when you were able, when, who, will you ever have a full circle moment? When, you able, when you're able to look back and say, that's my seed. I built and I planted that. Now I'm able to see it come into flourishing. And that's what Pastor Diana was able to do, amen? And that's why I understood her full circle moment because she built and encouraged so many people. That's why she has a legacy. That's why she has a legacy. You don't have to go to Atlanta to know that Martin Luther King lived, amen? When you live on purpose, when you live on purpose, you build and encourage people, they'll never forget you. And that scripture comes to pass in your life. It says the righteous will never be forsaken. They will always be remembered. And I want to be part of that crew, amen, that's always remembered. I want to be always remembered. I want to be able to, to, to grow old and look back and say, that's the seed I planted right here. Those are the people that I was able to build right there. Who are we able to build, amen? Can you, can you stand up with me so we can pray? So very my plan for me. Full circle moments when you get to look back at life and know, amen, I planted that seed, I watered it, and now I'm able to see it grow.